Evening, everyone. I'd like to call this special meeting of the Rancho Santa Margarita City Council to order. I'd like to ask Councilmember Figueroa to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Good evening, everyone. Would everybody please stand? Put your hand on your heart. Ready, begin. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation. Thank you. Roll call, please. Mayor Holloway. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Gamble. Here. Councilmember Beal. Councilmember Council Figueroa. Here. Councilmember McGurk. Here. Thank you. Item 1, public hearing, 1.1. Second public hearing to consider composition of districts for commencing the process to transition to bi-district elections. I'll turn this over to our city attorney. Thank you, Mayor Holloway, members of the City Council. Once again, this is the time and place scheduled for the second public hearing to consider public input regarding the composition of districts concerning the City Council's ongoing process to transition from at-large to district-based elections. As required by law, the purpose of this second public hearing is to allow for interested members of the public to once again be afforded an opportunity to provide input regarding the composition of the districts. Pursuant to state law, before the city can begin drawing any maps, the city must first hold two public hearings for the purpose of allowing interested members of the public to provide input regarding the composition of the districts. State law requires four public hearings before final map selection and mandates that the process be completed within 90 days. By way of background, on July 24th, uh, the city council adopted a resolution of intent to transition to districts. On August 16th, the City Council conducted the first of two mandatory pre-map public hearings. On August 24th, the City conducted a community workshop and presentation, which was hosted at the Bell Tower Regional Community Center. And again, tonight is the second public hearing. The actual map drawing process by the City begins after these two initial public hearings are completed. The City Council will then define the criteria used to create one or more proposed district maps and present the draft map or maps for public review and comment at two subsequent public hearings. Those will be public hearings numbers three and four. The proposed maps will be made available to the public at least seven days prior to each of these two additional public hearings. The final third and fourth public hearings must be held within 45 day period of each other. During the third and fourth public hearings, the city council will also need to determine the sequencing of the elections. This means again that the council will need to decide which districts will have elections first. The third public hearing for the council to consider the draft maps is currently scheduled for September 13th. More information regarding on this process is contained on the city's official website and in the staff report that's before you this evening. I will once again uh, turn it over to the city's retained demographer, uh, Mr. Justin Levitt. He's the vice president of National Demographics Corporation. Justin. All right. Um, Thank you, uh, Mayor Holloway, uh, members of the council, and members of the community who are here tonight. Uh, my name is Dr. Justin Levitt with National Demographics, and it's a pleasure to present on this uh, particular issue. Uh, just to kind of start out with a reminder of what the city is looking at doing, um, because of the California Voting Rights Act, a 2002 law that was specifically written to encourage district elections, the city is currently in the process of a transition from at-large elections whereby all council members can live anywhere within the city and all residents of the city vote for all five council members to a by district system 
in which the city is divided into equal areas. Council members will then have to reside within a specific area and only the residents of that particular area will elect a council member uh, to represent them. Um, this is the system that the California Voting Rights Act, as I mentioned earlier, was designed to encourage. Uh, there are alternative systems out there. For example, some cities like Newport Beach use a from district system where um, council members have to live within a specific part of the city, but all residents vote for all members. The law also speaks of alternative forms of election like cumulative voting and um, ranked choice voting. Um, to date, these systems have not been approved uh, by any city in Orange County um, using uh, or, or trying to address the California Voting Rights Act. And in particular, Mission Viejo was looking at trying to implement that ranked choice or cumulative voting and the registrar rejected that. Uh, the California Voting Rights Act, what it is, is a law that makes it significantly easier for a plaintiff to come to a jurisdiction that uses at-large elections and say that there's that system, by virtue of the at-large election, violates protected class communities' right to vote. Um, in particular, compared to federal law, it makes the standard a whole lot easier for a, for a plaintiff to prove that there is racially polarized voting uh, because they don't have to look at any of the surrounding circumstances, the intent to discriminate, the totality of the circumstances, anything that federal courts would require in order to make a showing that there is discrimination going on. Liability is only determined by whether members of protected class communities vote differently from other groups, even from other protected class communities. Um, and because of this, um, quite a number of cities across the state and other jurisdictions have made this transition. Um, to date, over 200 cities have switched from at-large to district elections because of the California Voting Rights Act, in addition to numerous other jurisdictions. School districts, community college districts, county board of supervisors even, um, all making this transition to by-district elections. And the reason why by district elections is because that provides a safe harbor under the California Voting Rights Act. If you have by district elections, you cannot be further targeted under the California Voting Rights Act. And the case law here has mostly, in fact, it's entirely other than one appellate decision in the Santa Monica case, um, sided with the plaintiffs. Even our most recent Supreme Court decision uh, last Thursday in the Santa Monica case said that the legislature clearly intended for the CVRA to um, not necessitate that you be able to draw majority districts of a protected class community and that alternate forms of showing vote dilution, um, such as racially polarized voting analysis, were sufficient to be a cause of action under the California Voting Rights Act. So they did not overturn the law. But they, actually, but they confirmed that the legislative intent was, in, in many ways, to um, encourage district elections. Um, and we've seen that in the second column, the settlements have been quite significant. Uh, these settlement amounts do not include what cities spent in their own defense. These are only the public settlements that the cities and other jurisdictions ended up paying to the plaintiffs. Um, to date, not a single city has won one of these challenges. Um, even cities that have gotten very close, like in Santa Monica on appeal, have found their decisions overturned in that right now it's actually a big question because they just sent it back down to the lower courts 
on whether the ruling will or whether the ruling means that Santa Monica has vote dilution or not. We're expecting that if Santa Monica continues to spend another two years or so in litigation at the trial court level determining what constitutes vote dilution. Um, what is clear is that in every other case so far, uh, the cities have been forced into this transition and in many cases have spent six or even seven figures um, in order to challenge or potentially challenge the law. Um, and in particular, we felt this throughout Orange County. In 2010, there was only one city in the county that used district elections, city of Seal Beach. Uh, today, the majority of the 34 cities in Orange County use district elections. And right now, there are five cities in South Orange County alone looking at whether or not to make this transition. And other cities currently in the process include San Clemente and Laguna Niguel. Um, as our city attorney discussed, there is a process set out in the California Voting Rights Act for making this transition. This is our second public hearing held before the presentation of any draft maps. Um, because the law requires that we hold two public hearings without reference to draft maps uh, to get feedback on what factors and test and areas and fact, you know, considerations, criteria should be considered in those draft maps. Um, prior to the next public hearing on September 13th, we have to publish the maps at least one week in advance. Uh, and this will include all the public submitted maps that we've received and we have received three public submitted maps to date. Um, so all of those maps, along with any consultant-drawn maps, will be published on September 6th for our hearing on the 13th. Uh, following that, we'll have another round of submissions and maps, uh, making changes based on the testimony and feedback on the 13th before the final decision is made on the September 26th, or, yeah, before um, the decision is made on September 27th, uh, where the first opportunity the council has to select a final map and then following that is adoption on October 11th. This keeps us within our 90-day window, also prescribed by the California Voting Rights Act. And so this really brings us into the heart of this presentation. What are those criteria and rules for drawing district boundaries? And we divide them into these three columns to really illustrate the different sources of the, of the law. On the left-hand column, federal laws are things that the Supreme Court tells us we must comply with. First and foremost, equal population is the one-person, one-vote principle that all districts should have more or less the same number of residents. And this is a total residence, so it includes everyone. People not registered to vote, it actually includes children, non-citizens. Everybody counted as part of that census count. And that's also why these districts might change in the future. Every 10 years following the census, the city has to revisit its district lines, make sure they're still following the requirements of equal population and so on, and may have to redraw or at least have an opportunity to redraw those boundaries. In addition, federal law requires us to look at the Federal Voting Rights Act, Section 2 in particular. Um, Section 2 says that districts cannot be drawn in such a way that inhibits the rights of protected class communities to vote for candidates of their choice. Uh, now, in federal court, the barrier is a lot higher for proving discrimination. The Supreme Court has said that race cannot be the only factor or even the predominant factor in the creation of a district. It must be one of many factors considered alongside each other, particularly as we look at the sort of uh, more traditional criteria in the middle column. 
Um, so for example, we might want to consider this alongside issues like communities of interest. And that really brings us into that middle column. The middle column is the Fair Maps Act of 2019, a state law that sets a rank-ordered priority list for how we should consider various redistricting factors. First, compactness is a fancy way of saying that the district has to have one outside border. In other words, you have to, you, all parts of the district have to touch each other. You can't have a little bit in Dove Canyon and a little bit next to Mission Viejo with no connection between them. They have to have one exterior border. Um, and so that's something we can identify in any map that we get. Hey, this map is contiguous or not. Second, undivided neighborhoods and communities of interest. This is where a lot of the disagreement on different maps comes from because what this criteria is really about, something we're gonna go into more in the next few slides, is areas with similar socioeconomic or geographic areas should be kept together for the purpose of their effective and fair representation. And so the shared issues, community, or communities, problems, challenges, and need for representation is really at the heart of defining these differences between maps. And this is something where just to set everything up because every city we always have different maps that have different communities of interest represented within them. We may disagree on what these communities of interest are, um, but it's important to illustrate the different options and from those options figure out which one is the best for the city. Third, easily identifiable boundaries. This is the principle that districts should be easy for voters to understand which, where they, which district they live in. So to the extent possible, if we can follow major physical or man-made boundaries, major roads, canyonways, freeways, um, jurisdictional boundaries, maybe it's the boundary between two homeowners associations or the boundary between two different school districts, we should try to use those easily identifiable boundaries to the extent possible. And fourth in this list is compactness which the law defines as not bypassing one group of people to get to a more distant group of people. This is very much aimed at hooks and fingers and things that bypass neighborhoods in order to get a neighborhood to the south or to the north or in a different direction. And it's important to note that these are rank ordered. So if certain communities have odd boundaries, but we can justify keeping a neighborhood together as first and foremost, the law requires us to keep that community together before we concern ourselves with compactness. Um, and sometimes lines may not make any sense to somebody who doesn't live in the city, but to people who do live there, it makes complete sense why certain neighborhoods were joined together. And finally, the law prohibits consideration of partisanship. The law says um, local elections in California are nonpartisan. And therefore, law should, or district lines should not be drawn to favor or discriminate against part of a political party or partisanship based on partisanship. Uh, and so to that extent, that's not a valid consideration for or against a particular map. And this really brings us to that third column. Other traditional districting principles are points that the courts have recognized as being valid to consider. They're not legally required for us to consider but they are things that courts have said you can consider. So what this means for us is that everything in the first two columns we have to go through first. And then if we're looking between two maps that we think do an equally good job or almost an equally good job with the first two columns, anything in the third column could be something that breaks the tie. 
So for example, two great maps, but one of them divides future population growth a little bit better so that one district is not the only one impacted by it. That could be a reason for choosing a map, that map over the other. Um, two equally good maps, one does a better job of respecting voters' choices, uh, the principle that voters have elected a council and that that decision should be left up to voters rather than the stroke of a pen on the map. That could be a reason for choosing one map over the other if we think that two maps do an equally good job everywhere else. And that's really the heart of the process, the criteria. This is what we're going to be using to evaluate the maps as we look at the actual draft maps at our next hearing. But what are our numbers? And so in the next couple slides, we're going to talk through a few of the key figures and numbers that we have to take into consideration when drawing the lines. Uh, so essentially, this demographic summary provides a lot of information. And I always say here that numbers don't tell the entire story behind where our communities and neighborhoods are. But we can definitely look at these different numbers, and particularly online, we have an interactive review map where you can see some of these as they vary across the city um, to really help us understand differences even between communities in a city as small as Rancho uh, Santa Margarita. Our total population, according to the census, uh, was 48,000. And this is a number that comes from the California adjustment. We got a question about this at our workshop. I want to mention that it's, a, it's an adjustment to the census result um, that where the prisoner population around the state is reallocated to their um, less known locations. This is the number required by the state that we use as our starting point. And 48,000, I've never seen such a round number actually um, in a city, but it does make division really easy. Um, and so if we have five districts, we can divide that number by five to get an ideal population of 9,600 residents in each district. If we're looking at a four-district four system where a mayor is continue to be elected at large, that would be 12,000 residents per district. Now, what we do when we look at that ideal number is say each district should be relatively close to that population, as close as we can get. Um, but that being said, the courts do allow us a little bit of deviation or difference from that ideal number. Uh, and so what we do is we look at 10% of that. So if we have 12,000 people in a district, the difference between the largest and smallest district can't be any more than 1,200 residents. Um, so... Um, in addition to that total population, we also have numbers uh, that they give us the ethnic and racial breakdown of the city. Uh, in particular, the citizen voting age population, the second box down, the, which is the population over the age of 18 with U.S. citizenship. This is what the federal courts used for federal voting rights determination. They call it the eligible voter count because it more accurately reflects what potential turnout might look like. And then on the left-hand column, or sorry, right-hand column, we have a whole bunch of demographic measures like age and income, education, single and multifamily housing, renters and owners. And again, all of these are demographics that can help us understand community. They don't tell the whole story, but we will certainly see differences in these breakdowns as we look at them across the city. And as we look at our district maps, we're going to see differences in the maps on 
how the districts perform or how the districts look compared to the city as a whole. Um, and so that's a really important part. It can be used to help justify uh, where those community breakdowns are. Um, specifically looking at our race and ethnic numbers under that Federal Voting Rights Act, um, this is our map of percent Latino. Uh, the areas in the blues and purples are under 35% Latino. Uh, the one area we do have in green that is majority Latino, the Via Antonio Apartments, um, is the one majority Latino neighborhood within the city. Uh, and so that area is something that we should strive to keep together at all possible. Um, I will note that it's not possible to draw a majority Latino district no matter how that district is drawn. Um, in addition, we do not see any concentrations anywhere in the city of Asian Americans, African Americans, Native Americans, or any other protected class group. Um, and this, so really what it comes down to when drawing districts is this question of neighborhoods. And we break this down, as the law does, into two separate parts, neighborhoods and communities of interest. Uh, with neighborhoods, I want us to think about the smallest building blocks that we can use to make a district. Um, and here, we, for example, we use a lot of our local HOAs because many of our local HOAs with populations under 1,000 or you know, right around 1,000 are really going to serve as those little tiny blocks that we keep together no matter how else the lines are divided. Uh, some of our communities that are larger, for example, Dove Canyon, um, may also be neighborhoods in the same way simply because geographically they're on the edge of the city and it will be really difficult to divide them in any sensible way. Uh, but that being said, neighborhoods in general do have these clearly defined physical boundaries. That's what defines a neighborhood. Uh, so we're looking at things like planning areas, homeowners associations, business improvement districts, um, parks, um, apartment complexes, condominium complexes, anything that's a very clear geographic boundary. Um, and if there are overlapping geographic boundaries, we really want to get the smallest ones possible. Uh, and so that way we can kind of build up from these neighborhoods into our communities of interest. What makes a community of interest a community is the shared issues or characteristics that bring neighborhoods together. Uh, so that's how we really define them. One, neighborhoods are small geographic areas. Communities are united neighborhoods along shared issues, problems, concerns, characteristics, and should be kept together in a single district for the purpose of their effective and fair representation, as the law says. And this, I anticipate, is where we're going to see the biggest amount of debate in this process, because how we link communities together may be different depending on where we live in the city or how we think about certain problems or issues. And they're all valid ways of linking different neighborhoods. And part of our challenge is figuring out which is the most effective, the fairest way to keep communities together. And part of this question, the second one I bring here, is we have to ask, is, does that community, or as we define that shared concern or issue, benefit from being included in a single district? Um, if something is very large, for example, very important to the city, does it benefit from having two or three voices on the council to look into that particular concern and therefore it fails that be, being the most effective way of representing that neighborhood? Um, so that's just something I'm throwing out there because I want us to be able to use this and think about this as we look at the different maps 
on our third public hearing. One of the big challenges we run into here and something that NDC has been working with the city on um, since the beginning of this process is dividing the city into those neighborhoods. Um, the city, in terms of its census geography, has about 300, it starts with about 300 census blocks. And those census blocks often do not respect any of our neighborhoods or communities whatsoever. Because all of the different streets that back onto a canyon or back onto a major road are simply placed in the same district. And little bits and pieces in the middle of an apartment complex, for example, have their own census block. And so essentially what NDC has done here is using the city's population data, using our best information we can on where people live within the city, is divided the city up into those local HOAs with our best estimates of the populations of those particular neighborhoods. Um, and so this really helps us because rather than having a census block that might include pieces of nine different homeowners associations, but not an entire one, not a single entire one in there, we're able to divide the nine um, associations up into those neighborhoods um, so we can see whether or not it makes sense to keep them all together or not. And I don't just mean like nine along a single street. Some of these are two canyons that back into each other and the homeowners who live on either side of that canyon are in one census block, but there's, each one has a piece that's in a different census block as well. Um, so it's very random. Uh, one of the things we'll work with the city on moving forward is for the 2030 census, creating more regular, better census blocks. Um, very clearly, the census was not designed for the California Voting Rights Act in cities like, uh, like we are in here, Rancho Santa Margarita. Um, so here, for example, we see some of the homeowners associations. Uh, we also have divided some of the commercial areas up into multiple pieces um, based on the streets, using those street boundaries. Um, so we also have some flexibility in how we draw those lines in not just the residential neighborhoods, but our commercial neighborhoods as well. Um, and to this extent, we've put together a one-page public participation kit with the population totals on them. We also have a spreadsheet that links those population totals to the names of those communities. Um, and what we would like, what we've actually received three of these so far, people drawing in on that kit what their preferred communities of interest or their preferred district map is. Um, all this is available on the city's website, drawrsm.org. Um, and so really what we're here to talk about is the neighborhoods and communities of interest um, to take testimony and feedback that will be used in the draft maps that we present at our next public hearing. We'd also like to answer any questions you might have about the districting process so far. And so with that, I thank you very much for your time. And if you have any other additional questions, we have a district email, districts at cityofrsm.org, where you can send your questions. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, this is the time for council have questions of the staff. I'll start to my right. Any questions for staff? No. Councilmember Figueroa. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. I think you answered my question. Thank you for being for being here again tonight. Um, we talked. You talked about the variance of district numbers. So depending on whether we go to four districts or we go to five. So it can't be any more than 10% of the total, right? 
Uh, so the, the difference between the largest and smallest districts. Okay. And um, are, there, are there any variations on that um, in terms of like how you were talking about how we should maybe break yeah. up um, districts in terms of like HOAs and things of that sort? Like, yeah. does it always work out that way? I guess that's what so, I'm asking. Yeah, the, the Supreme Court actually said this is completely unrelated to the race or anything else, the Voting Rights Act, in a very separate line of decisions that 10% is the maximum presumptively constitutional deviation um, and that anything higher is automatically subject to challenge. Uh, so, for example, um, what we mean here is for 12,000 people per district, let's just give that as an example, um, is that if one district is 100 people over or another 100 people under, that's going to be perfectly fine. Um, but if we're packing, you know, uh, 1,500 or 15,000 people into one district and another district only has 8,000, that's going to be above that 10% limit. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Councilmember McGurk. Pro tem? I have no questions. I feel like I could be a resident expert someday. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you. I've got a couple questions, and you might have answered some of these, but I'm going to jump back in. Most of it is on slide seven, dis districting rules and goals. So I see federal laws, California criteria, and redistricting principles. Okay, from a legal standpoint, your criteria for cities, item number two, is that, are those legal definitions and are they based on priority or is that just a, just criteria versus, I'm, I'm using the word criteria as maybe not necessarily legal. That is a great question. Um, and they are rake ordered in terms of one through four in that order. Um, and this is set out in the Fair Maps Act of 2019, which is a state law that set these four criteria. It defined each of them in the law, so contiguity was defined as having one exterior boundary. Um, undivided communities of interest was defined as socioeconomic or geographic areas that should be kept together for the purpose of their effective and fair representation um, are kept in a single district. Um, easily identifiable boundaries was just listed as that, and compactness was defined in the law as not bypassing one group of people to get to a more distant group of people. These are or are not in particular priority? They number. are in rank-ordered priority. They are in rank order. okay. So if a map, for example, was less than perfectly compact, but it was done so in a way to keep, to keep a community of interest together, then we should strive to keep the community of interest together first before we say, oh, this map is not valid because of compactness. So if map, <clears throat> excuse me, if a map was drawn strictly based on population, legal? So it's really hard to say because what do you mean by population? Because depending on where you start in the city and just maybe just go east to west, you know, you're going to get districts that, you know, that, that are arbitrary. Um, and don't follow our communities of interest, don't follow our major streets. And that would definitely pose a problem under the Fair Maps Act. Because population alone, what does that mean? <clears throat> Most of the time we're actually thinking of population plus something from that second column. Maybe it's population plus compactness, maybe it's population plus undivided neighborhoods, or keeps keeping communities of interest together. 
but I would say it's not a valid reason to adopt a map just because it has no deviation. If getting to no deviation means dividing all your neighborhoods and communities and putting them together in arbitrary ways to get to zero. Would you say that this process, as you've described and you're describing to us and you have here in writing, is more subjective or objective? There is a lot of subjectivity, particularly when it comes to communities of interest. And that is really why there is no objective way to divide the map into five districts or four districts, either way. My last question, I think. So we, if we go off to districts, whether it be four or five, is the elected official in that particular district legally required to vote number one based on the interests of their district? Or can it be the, the interest of the entire city? So that's a great question. Every council member is still required to vote in the best interest of the city. Their, their responsibility, fiduciary responsibility, remains to the city as a whole, regardless of which district they live in. Thank you. Any other questions? Okay. We will open the public hearing. We don't have any public speaker requests at the time. Okay. We do have some e-comments. First one is um, a attached map from Sean Gordon that uh, proposed a map with districts. Um, that map will be part of the permanent record. We have another request uh, in a, in a, from Rick Hurd with an attached proposed map with districts, which will be part of the record. We have some e-comments. First one from Beth Hurd. The first part of this e-comment is there are five points I would like to address regarding the Rancho Santa Margarita City Council decision to restructure the city at large election system into, a dis into districts election system. The rest of it will be in the permanent record. We have an e-comment from Chris McLaughlin. Initial part of that is I hope city council questions the fiscal impact section of the staff report where it suggests that the city is not liable for a lawsuit under the CVRA if we switch to district-based voting. The rest of that email is part of the permanent record. The last um, e-comment is from Rhonda Lungberg. Good evening, city council members. Although I am against the by-district elections, I do understand why the city of RSM has made the decision to not get tangled up in an expensive lawsuit. The rest of that e-comment will be part of the permanent record. So we have no other comments, e or otherwise? There are none. Thank you. I'd like to close the public hearing. We will now have uh, any other council discussion and deliberation. I'll start from my left. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I would only ask before our next meeting, our Mr. Demographer there, if um, given all that you've had to say, and I, and, and I thank you for all the information you provided, I think um, we would like, I would presume, um, proposed maps with five districts and a four plus one in order to comply with CVRA and all the options they offer, if you will, um, including the HOA uh, information or the differentiation that you referenced before. Um, 
taking into consideration uh, future population growth. And, and the one, the big, you know, the one that's a big vague um, factor here is the common social and economic interests. I'll, I'll just speak on my own behalf. I think the city in its entirety is, has a common uh, and uniform interest. I don't see anything significant in any area of the city that isn't shared by every other area of the city. But that being said, if a uniform, uh, common and social economic interests uh, means that we have to try to maintain HOAs and whatnot and try to keep some sort of uh, neighborhood um, um, identity, then I would, again, request the, the maps for both the five districts and the four plus one. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And by the way, we're passing a microphone around, so there's a little bit of a lag. We had a power outage in this area of the city uh, two weeks ago, and when the power came on, it zapped our ancient and original microphone system. So we're doing this old school, passing around handheld mics. So thank you, Brad. Nice handoff there. Um, so I, I've, uh, I've given this entire matter a lot of thought. So I think this is uh, some time um, to give some council input, you know, what we'd like to see or, you know, how we feel or think about it. And so I can tell you, you know, from the day I formed the city, from the entire existence of the city, uh, the city council, whoever sat here, has been elected by all the residents, uh, not just from one area or from one neighborhood. And the, the result of that has been a city council that's always had the best interest of the entire city in mind. Uh, I don't like this situation with mandated districting at all. Uh, but I've given it a lot of thought, as I know all of you, my colleagues, have. My focus is on the future um, and how to protect, frankly, the city from bad actors. Uh, my concern is the detachment and dilution that's created by forming districts. I'm very concerned about parochialism and insularity uh, districting creates. Uh, we all have always had the best interest of the city in mind, but we all won't be here until the end of time. Uh, for that reason, I'd like to examine the idea of four districts plus a citywide directly elected mayor. With four districts, each uh, council district or council member would have a greater area of interest, and I think that greater area of interest, ideally, uh, could be drawn to capture a wider variety of residents. Uh, with one person elected as the mayor, there's at least one person who has the interest of the entire city in mind and is less likely to be detached. Uh, four di districts would, I believe, at least give a constituency to two elected representatives. Right now, you have five elected representatives, but if you live in any one given neighborhood and you're in district voting, if you have five districts, you only have one representative. With four districts and a mayor, at least you have two. Um, and we know that given the Brown Act, uh, I just want to clarify, we all can't talk to each other about our thoughts and feelings about any topic of city business. So if I have a burning pressing issue in my district, I'm allowed maybe to talk to one other person. But I have to be very careful because that person then can't talk to a third person. That's illegal. 
But if we have an uh, overarching mayor that, that is responsible for the whole city, having been a mayor three times, and everyone here has been the mayor multiple times, I know that you have a wide understanding of what's going on in the city, just by virtue of being the mayor at that time. Uh, I think that gives a four-district council a greater opportunity to fend off future bad actors. Uh, for this reason, amongst many others, I'd like to see some maps. We tend to focus on five districts. Uh, I'd like to see some maps that show the options for four districts plus a, a citywide elected mayor. I obviously haven't made up my mind, but I had some reasons why I'm focusing on four districts. Um, it may not be possible or feasible, and I guess you'll let us know that, but I sure would like to see maps that represent that. Thank you very much. To my right, Councilmember Beal. Thank you very much. I've said it in our previous meetings that I am not fond at all of the California statutory scheme here. I think it's a really poorly drafted statute. Once again, I find the state trying to use a one-size-fits-all approach to every city throughout California, and one size just doesn't fit all. It was, in my opinion, written to achieve a certain result in every case and to, in effect, force cities into districts. As we heard from our uh, staff presentation earlier, cities ha that feel the same way have tried to challenge the statute, say they don't need to go to districts, and they have, without exception, really lost and spent millions of dollars in a futile attempt to uh, resist. And so it's regrettable in my opinion, that we are forced into this situation. I don't believe Rancho Santa Margarita has racially polarized voting or disenfranchised voters in any way based on the current status quo. And it would be my strong preference to keep the status quo. But for the reasons we heard earlier and that I just touched on, I don't think we have much choice but to move into districts. So I don't believe as as I think we heard from our presenter, our demographer, there's no single right or wrong way to draw these districts. We just need to make sure that whatever map is approved satisfies the legal requirements, both federal and state. And I have every confidence that when maps are presented to us for our final consideration, that they will satisfy those requirements. As my colleagues before me have just mentioned, I too would like to... Uh, see some multiple options. Um, I would like to see uh, a map or maps for four districts plus one directly elected mayor, and I would really like to call everyone's attention to the e-comments that we received, both from Rhonda Lundberg and Beth Hurd. I definitely share many of the sentiments expressed therein because, you know, today each voter has the power to use their vote to elect five members of the city council. And in so doing, the five members of the city council are all directly 
responsible and directly should be responsive to their constituents. And while I have no reason to believe that if we went to five districts that there would be some that only cater to the interests of their districts, human nature suggests that that just might happen. And that's not good for the city as a whole. So I would very much like to see some maps presenting the four four district plus one directly elected mayor because in that situation, every voter gets the power to elect directly at least two of their city representatives and thereby at least two of the city representatives would be directly responsive to those. And I'm not going to read the detailed reasons that Ms. Lundberg and Heard set forth, but they're really well thought out. And the unintended consequence of going to districts, it, it dilutes the voting power of every voter, including those that the statute was presumably drafted with the intent to help, and that would be racial minorities. But in effect, it, it dilutes the voting power of every voter in the city. One size just doesn't fit all. So four plus one, I think you have two that are directly elected by their constituents. That's better than one, which you have in a five-district situation. And so I'd like to see that. I'm willing to consider five districts uh, for the reasons that I just spent a little time covering. I would say I'm probably leaning towards four plus one so as to give every voter more voting power, but I'm willing to consider five. And in drawing maps for the five, um, I would like to suggest that we consider or that the maps consider the possibility on the eastern boundary of the city. Um, It seems to me that it's possible to draw a boundary uh, splitting that to the north and to the south and extending into the center of the city. I know we haven't been presented with any actual um, maps for consideration yet, but just preliminary ones that have been floated around all seem to just draw into one district, Robinson Ranch all the way to Dove Canyon. And I think there conceivably are reasons why those should be kept separate. And I think in still satisfying the contiguous requirement, the communities of interest requirement, the easily identifiable boundaries requirement, and being compact. You could split that north and south and extend it into the city and still achieve those goals. So I I would just like to suggest that that's something that the demographers look at as they draw their maps uh, for our consideration. That's all I have right now. Well, I concur with um, a lot of my city council members tonight that I don't feel like districting was a necessary thing here. Um, And, you know, obviously we're going through it now. But there's a lot of reasons why I feel like districts sometimes do not benefit their residents um, the right way. I know there's quite a few cities in the state of California um, where there are districts where there's nobody running. Um, and people have to actually be talked into running. So um, that's never probably a good situation. And then there's sometimes districts in the state of California that are empty just because nobody has run. 
or wants to run. Um, so, you know, this isn't ideal, but, you know, unfortunately there's just way too much financial exposure for us as a city. Uh, four versus five districts, I'm, I'm open to it still, you know, um, I haven't made up my mind yet on that. But um, just concluding, I'm, I'm confident that our council will do the right thing. We're going to be looking out for every single Rancho resident and what's best for this city. So I'm um, looking forward to finalizing all of this. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Just a question um, about the mapping. Your, your comment earlier, sir, about subjective versus objective certainly makes this more um, complicated, I guess, best way to put it, which... We can do that. We can do complicated. Any map that you are going to draw and present to us, is it reasonable to say that every map that you will present it would meet all legal requirements? So I can, so I can assure you that any, any consultant-drawn map will certainly meet all the legal requirements and that part of our responsibility is to analyze all the public submissions to ensure that whether or not they do and then provide you with a report at our next meeting if any of them fail to comply. All the ma our maps of the city council and then the, the residents right. submit. For example, if there, I, I have not analyzed the resident maps to date, sure. but if I do and one is at, say, 20% deviation, we will let you know and say, not recommend that one for continuation. Um, but um, it is, you know, any of the consultant drawn maps will certainly comply with all the state and federal legal requirements. Thank you. And all the comments that I've heard from my council colleagues, I, um, I don't have anything to add. Certainly sounds like we've covered uh, the bases now as we have, as we go on um, with other meetings, I'm sure this process will evolve. I don't really have any other comments or questions. Any other council members have anything else they want to add? Okay. I just want to make sure, I, I would want to make sure you clarify something you said about maps drawn by the city. The city has not drawn any maps. Say that again. I just want to clarify something, and I want to make sure there's no confusion about this. I, I might have misheard it about maps drawn by the city. The city doesn't draw any maps. We don't do that. You do that. So there's no maps that have been drawn by the city submitted to you, and I just want to clarify that for anybody who thinks that, that there's some maps being drawn that you know are not being presented with its uh, public process. So I just want to clarify right. that. Better said, the, the criteria that we submit to you that causes you to draw a map, that's what I was referring to. Thank you. Any other uh, direction the city staff? Do we need other, any other direction, city manager? Okay. This meeting is being adjourned. The next regular meeting of the city council will be held Wednesday, September 13, 2023, 7 p.m. right here. Meeting adjourned.